coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. And so my encouragement for anybody who's listening is that we shift our mindset from the reciprocal, if you don't scratch my back, I'm not going to scratch your back. If you're going to not talk to me, I'm going to not give you sex. If you're not going to give me gifts, well then fine, I'm not going to talk to you the rest of the evening. So instead of doing a tit for tat, we want to really create a servant oriented. And the cool thing, and I have actually seen it, it's not quick and it's not easy. But when one spouse or partner decides to serve the other one and to do it with a good heart and to love well, I have actually personally seen the Lord bring conviction on the other person. Friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And today I have the extinguished privilege of being with my dissertation chair, Dr. Jennifer Ripley. She is incredible and intelligent and wise and one of the women I have looked up to professionally and personally that she has toggled being married, a mom, successful in her career, has impacted so many lives through hope-focused couples counseling. And I believe Dr. Everett Worthington was your dissertation chair. Um, and I just love the way the baton gets passed down. And so Dr. Ripley is obviously my dissertation chair. And I was trained in hope-focused couples counseling under her. And so I would love to introduce her. She is the Hughes Chair of Christian Integration and co-director of the Karis Institute at Regent University. Shout out Regent University, my alumni. Her research focuses on hope-focused couples counseling and any other modality that helps couples. And she is a wealth of knowledge. So whether you are married, pre-married, or would like to be married, or would like to not be married, we want you to pull up a chair, join us in this conversation, because relationships are such a huge part of our lives. And we want to invest wisely and be intentional and proactive in an area that's so important to all of us. So Dr. Ripley, thank you for being on this episode with us. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Crawford, for bringing me onto your show. I'm really excited to be here. Ah, thanks. <laughs> so one of the first enriching things that I learned from the Hope Focused Couples Counseling approach is the importance of the um, oh, reciprocal versus covenantal love. Right. Can you explain that for our audience? Absolutely. So it's very easy in the world we live in to feel like I'm going to go into marriage and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be giving, I'm going to be kind, you know, I'm going to be loving. And then this other person is going to love me and it's going to end up being probably pretty equal, right? And I'm going to make him a better person and he's going to make me a better person. And we're just going to kind of go through life, just being interesting for each other and, and having this kind of equal exchange, you know, like he gives, I give, and it kind of equals out in the end. Right. And there's a, 
long research in this in marriage and family research that shows that, well, that is one way to look at marriages, but it's not the only way. So the covenantal idea is a very different, it's kind of upside down kind of a view on the way marriage um, and family works. And we understand this because we understand this with children. Like if, if you have a child, you don't really expect that child to ever give back to you completely as much as you give to them, right? It's kind of a pay it forward kind of a situation, right? So that's kind of understandable. And we have that kind of relationship with children in our lives, whether they're our own children or nieces and nephews, things like that. But when it comes to marriage, we often think of it as this exchange. The covenantal idea is that I give all that I can out of my commitment and my care and my love for you. And that is so much more sustainable because a lifetime of love will include days when one person is sick and can't give very much, or one person is going through a depression or has lost a job um, or just goes through difficult times, maybe grieving parents or caring for elderly parents. And so Every relationship over decades is going to come to a point where it's like, wow, I'm giving a lot more than I'm getting out of this relationship. So a covenantal point of view says that's not the important question to ask. The important question to ask is, am I doing all that I can? Not more than I can do, right? So you don't want to just like pour yourself out and just be a puddle and nothing left of you. Um, But you also don't want to just like, well, you can't give much to me right now because you're not, you're going through your cancer. So I'm going to kind of hold back and I'm not going to give too much. And I think when we think about it that way, we all go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But having that mentality on a day-to-day, year-to-year, decade-to-decade makes for a much more healthy relationship. So that's a covenantal point of view. Um, And it's promoted in sociology, actually, and studied um, by researchers like David Bromley, who I have followed and really enjoyed. (laughs) Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I think there's such a key point you're helping illuminate that many of us have mindsets and it's our actual mindset and how we approach something is so much more important than the actual situation itself. Two people could be in the exact same situation and have a vastly different experience of it because of the mindset we're approaching. And I think innately, and I will put myself in that category, all of us are selfish and we want it to be fair. We want it to be just, which is kind of the a fallacy, the just world fallacy that everything is going to be equitable every day. Now, if somebody's in an abusive relationship and there's extenuating circumstances, we're obviously not talking about that, but we are talking about the good 70% of normal relationships, that there's going to be disparities, there's going to be give and take, and moreover, how much we can pick up an offense and we can feel entitled that if they don't do it, then I don't have to do it. If they're not going to pick up the laundry, then I don't have to. If they're not going to kiss me hello, then I'm sure not going to, and we get very self-protected, which is great if you want to stay a bachelor, but not so great if you want to stay in a committed relationship that actually has the warm and fuzzies. So what do you, what would you say to a couple if they're starting to recognize reciprocal tendencies in their relationship dynamic? That's a great question. 
So I think reciprocal tendencies are very human and we can end up there so quickly, whether that's in friendships, you know, or family relationships and especially in marriage type relationships. So it's really don't be discouraged if that's something that you see where you have that great example of like, well, you didn't pick up the laundry. So I think I'm not going to. And if you follow the train of thought very quickly, you're like, well, then no one's picking up the laundry. We're going to like have to wear dirty clothes. Like this isn't going to work out long-term, but being able to be the first one to say, well, I'm going to act out of my goodwill, out of my love, out of my care. And I'm going to be honest and true to who I am, regardless of the other person. And this can be true for even severe things. So again, we're not talking about like your partner is abusive to you. Um, but being true, maybe I'm going to act in a respectable way. I'm going to mm -hmm. act in a dignified way. And abuse is not respectable or dignified. And so I'm not going to engage in that. I'm not going to get involved in that kind of um, relationship. And I'm going to step away even if there's abuse and not engage in that kind of thing, because that's not who I am. I want to be loving. I want to be dignified. I want to be true and honest. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really kind of stopping to focus on, on, okay, what's my mindset? Like you said, who am I? Mm -hmm. I'm going to act out of that. And then if things are unequal and you're like, okay, I'm acting out of a mindset and my partner is still not picking up the laundry. They're, they're not helping with the kids. They're not doing any dishes, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're just kind of like not making it in the household. Then it's time for just an honest conversation. Like I'm trying to do my best to do what's good for us. And I'm trying to have that mindset, but I'm having a really hard time. Like, are you okay? Like, you seem like you're just really folded in on yourself and having a hard time yeah. giving in this, in this household. So there's something wrong, hon, you know, um, and to be able to have that kind of soft and loving and caring, because most of the time, if someone's not giving in the relationship, something's not right. Like there's something going on. Yeah. yeah. And I love the soft startup of asking with gentleness and questions of checking on you versus immediately jumping to conclusions, which is hard because our brains fill in heuristic, which just means mental shortcuts. So I'm immediately interpreting why you just did that or didn't do that or said that. And so I've created this whole narrative and now I've jumped 20 feet ahead of the person, never asked them a question because I'm mind reading. And now I'm filling in the gaps, responding to them as if they actually did do that without one question. And I'm already like at DEFCON 1, ready to annihilate them because how dare they take advantage of me? When if we would humble ourselves and slow down and then reassess, okay, what mindset am I using? How much am I filling in the gaps? How can I turn this more into a loving conversation to check on their heart? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I love the analogy that Hope Focus gives about the porcupine. Can you share that analogy? Absolutely. So we use a metaphor of the porcupine. So the idea is how do porcupines mate? It's an old joke. It's a funny joke, right? Very carefully, of course, is the answer. <laughs> um, but essentially, we as humans, we kind of have two ways to relate to each other. We can have porcupine quills out, ready to attack, having a mindset of, I'm just waiting for you to do something wrong. 
-hmm. And then I'm going to have at it, you know, like I've got my ammunition ready Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting here waiting for you to, you know, not do the dishes or to say something, you know, unkind to me. And then I've got, I'm ready, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you take a porcupine and you turn them over, they have this really soft underbelly, Mm. right? And that's how they mate. That's how you get close. You never want to get close to a porcupine that has quills out. So what happens over time is people are like, man, I'm really lonely. Like, I don't feel close. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, do I have my quills out a lot in this relationship? Like, am I like ready and defensive and ready to attack? Or do I have that soft, vulnerable, like, I'm afraid that there's something wrong. You know, I'm afraid of being alone right? Like that's the soft underbelly, that vulnerable part of us is what Mm -hmm. helps us to feel close to each other and connected in relationships. Right. And I think there's something in us that when I hear someone soft underbelly, I naturally want to protect and care for and tend to them. The issue is many times people don't know how to do that. So they can hear that and go, okay, that's something I should do, but not necessarily have the skills on how to execute it in day-to-day life. And so sometimes we may share our vulnerable emotions. So many couples who end up in my office, they're like, come on, this is like the 1200th time that we've had this exact conversation. I have told him or her that it hurts my feelings or hurts my heart, or it undermines our trust or our connection with each other. And so they're so bitter and jaded by the time they may get to my office because there's such a deep scab over that repeated wound that just because somebody hears a soft underbelly doesn't mean they necessarily know how to execute it, how to walk that out. And then the expectations we create that if I show my soft underbelly, then now you should be that hero who tends to me and knows how to do that in an everyday fast paced world. Oh, that is so true. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. When it can take some time to kind of like get to a point where both people can show the soft underbelly and protect each other. That's such Mm -hmm. a good, a good way of thinking about that. Yeah. I love the idea of protecting each other's vulnerability of being able to be able to create a space where we can take off our armor, where we're on all day, we're performing, we're meeting demands and expectations. And that if as a couple, if you could sit down and say, what would it look like for you, right? Creating clear communication for this to be a place that you could take off your armor where you don't feel like you have to be on or defend yourself or justify yourself. And the last 20 years of every mistake you've ever done gets pulled back up against you. What would it feel like? for that to be reality. And then now what are the action steps you and I both need to be responsible to, to create that culture. So now that can be something that we live from instead of something we're always grasping and wishing and then disillusioned that it's not reality. How would you recommend for a couple to one, even start with lowering their guard, lowering their quills and showing their soft underbelly when maybe there's already been some hurt and disappointment? Absolutely. So we have this intervention and the hope approach. It's called a coconut smile. Okay. Um, And the coconut smile intervention is building on this basic brain research that essentially says we have kind of a limited amount of willpower, right? Because being vulnerable and not attacking back, right? And like being humble, it requires some willpower. It requires some stamina. 
So we kind of have a limited amount. We all know this because if you've ever been on a diet, when you <laughs> start the day, you're fine. Beginning of the day, Good you're fine. Time. Breakfast, no problem. I can eat a healthy breakfast. Lunch, got it. Healthy lunch. Afternoon snack, I'm getting a little tired. Um, Maybe evening okay you know and then by the time eight o'clock rolls around you're like oh no i just had hershey bar that was bad choice you know so um and that's how it works in marriage life too right where you start out and then by the time you get to the end of the day you try to have like a serious conversation after the kids have gone to bed and you're just tired there's just kind of nothing left And so the research basically says our brain works on sugar. We need sugar. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating for people to like (laughs) sugar, but to think in terms of like, do I have the resources right now for a difficult conversation? There was an intervention with a couple and I have no particular information, but they used to go to like sports events on the weekends, all weekend. Right. And then they'd have fights on Sundays on their way home every weekend. Right. They'd have these big fights and the major thing for them this is like a way to start is they like identified hey you know Sunday afternoons we're really tired we're really grumpy we've spent all our energy um you know maybe we're low in blood sugar like all of that that is not a good time for us to interact like let's have peace in that time and then let's pick a time when we're in a good mindset right and that's when you say okay if I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to show my vulnerability, let me pick a time when I know I'm in a good mindset. My partner's in a good mindset. Mm-hmm. Maybe go on a walk on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, you know, something where you're kind of in a good space. Um, maybe after sex, not a bad plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then be able to talk more vulnerably with each other and be able to bond with each other better in that moment. And to notice like, hey, my partner just got home from a bad day at work and I'm grumpy because I've been dealing with after-school kids soccer and I'm unhappy. We're both unhappy. Now is not the time to be vulnerable. Now is the time to just like mm-hmm. do the dishes. Let's get some stuff done. We'll yeah. talk later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. So the Coke and the smile, what is that? mean coke coconut smile is essentially like ha- making sure your brain has sugar enough essentially <laughs> right that's the coca-cola okay right? so is my brain sugared up enough that i can have a difficult conversation and am i ready to smile yes so it's kind of building off that old old yeah. coconut smile um that's cute i haven't actually heard that one that's cute okay. and mm-hmm. i would say for a lot of us you know, there's the pace of life. We would have to be very intentional to create that margin in that space. So if we jam our schedule so full and we're always giving our family the leftovers, it's pretty hard to expect that you're going to be able to have a Coke and a smile because no time is the right time. Everything is always coming up. That is so true. And I think it's especially true for young families. So people that are having their kids and their preschoolers, oh, it's just such a taxing phase of life and family situation where, you know, they, people work all day and then they take care of their kids and then the kid gets up in the middle of the night and somebody's sick and both partners are just taxed out and it can be really difficult to find that margin. So like you said, that is so important to like, okay, 
where are we going to find this margin? I know when we were in that phase of life in our marriage, we would find other couples in the same phase of life. And we'd go like, can we do a kid swap Friday night with you? Because we need some time, just adult time. And they did too. And so every Friday night we'd swap, you know, and like one week was our week and one week was their week. And it was so helpful just to have some time when we weren't exhausted, you know, yet and we can just have dinner or go for a long walk at the beach or something without our small children. And just like, I remember you, you're great. Um, I like spending time. With I don't you. hate you after all. <laughs> I don't, do I? Yeah. Um, and that's super important to kind of balance out all the normal stresses of like, yeah. oh, the kid just threw up again. It's three in the morning. Which one of us is going to give up sleep for the next two hours? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I love sleep. And personally, I recommend before a hard conversation, actually either going on a walk with no stimulus, like silent walk or taking a nap before you're going to have an emotionally charged conversation. Because I found that as an extrovert, I thought I could just go, go, go and do a million things because I have capacity to do it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to show up well. (laughs) And so many of us have some blind spots that we think we're showing up and we're doing our part and they're the one with the attitude. And we don't realize that maybe we have a little bit more of an edge or a sass or a defensiveness or a pridefulness. I know that there's research about like people, even in mental health, that sometimes they're the worst people to be married to because we can get really prideful and cocky and know all the answers. And the other person is just like, oh my gosh, get a mirror. What is your deal? (laughs) Like, whoa. And so being able to slow down our heart rate, our blood pressure, our thoughts, and then fully be present with somebody requires those big rocks and deciding what are the little things I need to remove so that I have more margin and capacity of the big rock in my schedule. And for many of you listening, it may sound like such an easy thing that you can just do it with your, you know, just do it mentally. But in reality, you really do need to sit down with your partner and actually get like a large calendar in front of you, could be paper or or electronic, and now start saying, okay, what are the responsibilities that each of us have? How can we delegate? How can we support one another? How can I change my expectation that, you know, Monday you have that late meeting. And so I need to not expect that you're going to have an emotional conversation with me on Monday nights or, you know, right when you walk in the door, the classic time that the parent that's home all day, and it could be male or female, is now like, talk to me, adult, I need to connect. I've been with kids all day. And the other one is like, nobody need anything from me. I cannot give one more ounce. And so we have to learn each other's schedule, learn each other's rhythms, introvert, extrovert, love languages, being armed with a lot of tools and resources so that you can diligently plan well. Just like if you were an executive at a corporation, you wouldn't haphazardly put your schedule together with all your employees and be like, oh, that guy can probably run something in that department. You would be very diligent and planful and how sad that many times we don't do that in the most important area. That is so good. That is just, there's so many gems of good information in what you just said about being intentional, even pulling out a calendar. I know some like Friday nights tend to be very good for my husband and I as a time Fridays tend not to be a very heavy day in academic world for me. I don't 
come home having taught classes all day and things. Um, and the same for my husband and his work, but for other people, Friday may be like the crunch day and that's not the good day. Like maybe Sunday is just a better day to spend some time together. So really finding that space where you can just enjoy mm-hmm. being friends, right? And remembering the importance of friendship um, in all marriage relationships or couple relationships so that you can, you know, sustain it across a long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And remembering that foundation. I love how you've referenced back. Let's be friends. I think many times we can personalize and say, oh, because Friday night doesn't work and you never want to talk to me and we do the always never should, which is like the big rule. Don't do that. Um, But we jump to those conclusions and we take that personal thinking, oh, well, you don't want to because you don't love me, which is a huge leap going back to our first part of the conversation where it's like, ask the question. Hey, honey, is there a reason that it's hard to engage with you on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights? Is there a reason that I have a hard time getting a hold of you during office hours or whatever? Can you help me understand your day and what you're facing all day long? That way you're coming alongside as an ally instead of an adversary where they feel on the defensive that they have to justify and explain themselves. And then they feel unknown, which is actually creating more of a wedge that there's less of a we and more of a finger pointing in the shoulds and musts. Absolutely. Yeah. We really should outlaw shoulds (laughs) Um, in In, in marriage relationships and couples, it, it really would be helpful. I mean, what you're talking about, I think of as um, negative attributions for neutral events. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a big academic word, but really it's simple. It's the person's doing just life, right? They didn't come in and yell at you or mm-hmm. tell you you're a bad person or something. It's just normal life happening. So it's kind of a neutral thing. And you kind of make assumptions, like you say, you make a jump. So a negative attribution is like, oh, they're not paying attention to me because they don't love me mm-hmm. because they don't care about me. You're not attracted right? to me anymore. They're not attracted to me anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of this academic idea of a negative attribution for a neutral event. Mm-hmm. And I kind of watch for that. If I see a negative attribution for a neutral event, then I'm like, this is a warning sign. So mm-hmm. what that is is when something happens in the relationship that's just kind of neutral right so people can understand if your if your spouse comes in and yells at you and tells you you're horrible then there's nothing to assume about that other than so you think I'm horrible right like there's that's that's a negative event but there's all kinds of neutral events that happen that are just like your spouse is busy they're not paying attention to you maybe they're a little grumpy um or you know, they went to bed early and that wasn't what you were hoping for and how you wanted to talk to them, things like that. There's just life, neutral events, and you make a negative attribution. Oh man, he went to bed early because, you know, he doesn't want me. He doesn't want to talk to me, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't think I'm beautiful anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, he's grumpy. Oh, it must be about our relationship, mm-hmm. right? It must be about us or our family, And it may, but it may not, you don't know, like it's neutral, right? It may just be tired and hangry, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so kind of stopping and thinking like, Hey, am I making in my mindset, am I making negative attributions about neutral events Mm -hmm. in our relationship? 
And, and I'm just adding negativity. I'm just adding pain to myself, right? Maybe carrying over pain from childhood of some kind of old pains that are worth exploring and trying to understand about yourself and kind of like, you know what, this is an opportunity to check it out and say, Mm -hmm. you know, you seem kind of grumpy. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Did you have a bad day at work? What was, what was work like? Or, um, if you were doing something outside or whatever, you know, whatever's happening in the relationship, the neutral event, like what's mm-hmm. going on with you right now? Yeah. And being that confidant, being that friend, placing that above our own self needs. So again, that would be a covenantal approach going full circle of serving us mm-hmm. versus just serving me. Well, I'm not going to ask how you're doing. You haven't asked how I'm doing. You haven't been checking in on me. You don't know all the laundry and the kids and the demands and the bosses and all the conversations I've had. So I'm not going to ask you. We can do that, which is offense and pride and bitterness and resentment and spite our own face, right? Like the self-fulfilling prophecy that if I get offended and I start acting a certain kind of way, I'm more likely to create the very scenario that I projected was going to happen. And so for many of us, while I know that it's a hundred percent real to you. And I've been in the situation where it's a hundred percent real to me. It is absolutely why that person just acted that way. And I would put my hand on a Bible. I am so convinced that I am right. Right. And then I have all these uh, entrenched beliefs. And so for many listening, you may need to spend some time just healing your heart that there's a fence that can build and there's wounds and there's some healing that may need to take time. And obviously we're going to recommend enrichment, couples counseling, premarital counseling, anything that's investing in your relationship, because I mean, you can do the, don't go to therapy until your life is off the rails and you do the cursory one to two appointments and then go, see, we tried everything. Now we get divorced because obviously nothing's going to work, which nothing in life is a two appointment. (laughs) Like that's just not real life, right? You don't do due diligence in any other area. Like it took a long time to get a doctorate. I didn't just go for two classes and then think I'm going to know everything about being a psychologist, right? So for many of you out there, you need to be more realistic that it may be valuable, whether it's pastoral counseling or traditional therapy or premarital or enrichment, that it doesn't have to be just when your life is going off the rails. There is a whole lot of prevention that you could go from good to great. And that's what we want in this channel is for a culture to be created that instead of being reactive in our lives, passive, and things just happen to us, and then we whine and complain and poor me, or we're on the other side saying, I want to take ownership and responsibility for what is mine to steward, including hard conversations, belief systems that I've allowed to accrue over time, uh, judgments that I've formed against myself or against them or projecting that they're thinking this and reenactments that are being created in a relationship, which just means our past relationships getting played out in our current ones. So my hope, and I think a big part of Hope Focused is this belief that we want to do enrichment. We really want people to be thinking through, hey, if you've had a hard conversation, it is wisdom to bring in a third person who can just kind of hear both sides, clear up the chatter, get back to truth, reconnect your heart so that you're soft underbelly to soft underbelly, and then they can send you on your way and you're enjoying life again, instead of allowing these little things, but pride 
telling us, well, I'm not going to talk to somebody about that. We have a good marriage or we're leaders or we're pastors or we're in a position of influence. So we shouldn't have to go to somebody. We should be able to. And if you notice how many times I just said should. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta quit shoulding. (laughs) Yes. Because it's just not real life. We can have those expectations, but it doesn't make it valid. It also doesn't make it helpful. And so my encouragement for anybody who's listening is that we shift our mindset from the reciprocal, if you don't scratch my back, I'm not going to scratch your back. If you're going to not talk to me, I'm going to not give you sex. If you're not going to give me gifts, well then fine. I'm not going to talk to you the rest of the evening. So instead of doing a tit for tat, we want to really create a servant oriented. And the cool thing, and I have actually seen it, it's not quick and it's not easy. But when one spouse or partner decides to serve the other one and to do it with a good heart and to love well, I have actually personally seen the Lord bring conviction on the other person that while they are just so enveloped and obtuse in their own mind and not appreciating the other one that is serving them day in and day out and doing the right thing. And it's super unfair and unjust that the Lord will start bringing conviction. He'll, I've even seen that other spouse start to listen to Laura Schlesinger on the radio or something. Things will start coming in their path because I'm not standing in judgment. I'm not trying to control and manipulate or withhold. I am continuing to do the right thing, which is sowing good seed and you're going to reap good harvest. That's a principle of sowing and reaping that what you sow into, you'll get a harvest. So So many of us have been sowing sarcasm or silence or the cold shoulder. Many of us have been sowing seed and then we get a harvest and we're really confused and frustrated and annoyed when we haven't taken the time to consider, okay, am I giving them my best? Have I looked at the calendar to make sure I have margin and capacity to serve them? Have I fallen into the trap of an egocentric reciprocal relationship? Or am I really coming back to a place of a covenantal love for the long-term investment with a high yield of a relationship? And so for many of these tools we've talked about, there is some heart shift And if instead of just pointing at your partner thinking, man, if they would just listen to this episode, what if we started with ourselves? What if we became the kind of friend or daughter or son or spouse or father or mother who was really intentional about serving the other person, bringing out the best in them, and then classical conditioning, they want to be around you. Instead of nagging them for something, if you are honey instead of vinegar, They're wanting, they're drawn to you. And I love how hope-focused couples counseling creates that environment. I love that they provide a baseline assessment for all couples. I mean, you could be like devastating, like you're about to talk to the lawyers, or you could be just this really cute premarital couple and you just need a baseline or a really healthy couple. I work with lots of good to great type couples that you don't have to be in devastation and terrible. You could just be in a season where you're like, Hey, we don't have to live like this. If we have a stuck point, let's go ahead, fine tune, just like you would go to your car, get a mechanic, look at it and get the oil change and then keep going so that you don't have to have the engine blow up before you address something important. Absolutely. That's so true. We live in really, I mean, this has been particularly hard times, obviously we've been through a pandemic and, you know, we're coming out the other end of it this summer, but it's really, 
hard times are pretty consistent, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that basically there's, there's just difficult times in the modern world that we live in. And I think everyone recognizes it. You see shows like Modern Love or, you know, you hear people talk about modern love and how hard it is to find a partner, how hard it is to create a healthy relationship and sustain it. Like there's so many pressures that pull people apart um, and make it really difficult to create a good, healthy, long-term relationship. And so I think what you're talking about is absolutely important. And it may be more important today than it was a hundred years ago. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. um, but all those pressures need some kind of counterpoint. And so that enrichment, that weekly date, that, Hey, I'm going to act out of the goodness and out of kind of a gracious mm-hmm. kind of approach, right? Like I'm going to recognize I have pain, you have pain. We both have defenses. We both have vulnerabilities from our past, maybe past relationships and past marriages or childhood. And, um, and I'm going to protect. That's the kind of person I want to be when I'm an old lady, you know, and people, people would want to be around me because I'm, I'm gracious about other people's problems. And I've learned how to deal with that. That's a good goal in life. Yeah, I agree. So right now, we just want to honor those who are listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll have many, many more. Uh, But thank you. Thank you for taking the time to invest in being the kind of person that cultivates healthy relationship with anybody, because everything we've said is our universal relationship principles. And so we want to be the kind of people that serve well, that are covenantal, that bring out the best, and then the people want to come close to you. They want to be near you because you have a soft underbelly that invites them to feel safe with their soft underbelly. Thank you, Dr. Jennifer Ripley, my hero, for being on this episode. It is such a privilege to get to see you today. And thank you, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and share and leave comments because we want to make sure we're tailoring the episodes for you. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the greater calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.